0: Welcome back to Casting Nets Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Will Harley, pastor here at St. John. I am here now with the long-traveled, but yet not tired, I mean, he was running all over the country uh, of cohort and crime, uh, Dave Rudot, pastor at Shirley Emanuel and also in Greenleaf. Uh, What a wonderful opportunity to gather with you today. Dave, why don't you uh, say hi after your travels?
1: Hi. After my travels,
0: very good. See, he is still here. He is alive. Uh, for those who've been following his exploits on Facebook, you saw that he was out into the to the west, the more rural areas of our country, uh, which will introduce probably another topic that will come up later this summer, uh, dealing with uh, the rural experience. And so we'll we'll have a good time uh, talking about that later. But that's not today.
1: Yeah. Well, just two weeks of being on vacation doesn't give me expertise on being a rural. Exp- Uh, rural experience of of ministry in in the West, but just the fact that I was going back to see the congregations that I had uh, served for 13 years before coming here.
0: Exactly. And so that does give him expertise in talking about rural experience, but we're not on that one today. I'm not going to introduce what we are going to talk about today. I'm going to leave that for, for Dave as he is excited to introduce that topic. But before we do that, Uh, I do would uh, like to bring up that this conversation today is really just two pastors who are talking. They are kind of downloading our brains, and um, you might not agree with everything that we say, and that's okay. And if you don't, contact us, let us know, join the conversation so that we can we can have these conversations with you. Um, if you do appreciate what we what we have to say, share it with someone else, because we do want to make sure that people uh, are, are listening and have an opportunity to learn from this Um the views and the opinions that we share may not be the views and the opinions of our called church bodies or the the synod in which we are a part, but we will lift high the cross of Christ. Uh, we will gather around him who fills us with everything and gives us the ability to do all things and uh, uh, share hopefully what it means to live um, in the shadow of the cross and and to live life as, as the called Christian people we are. So without further ado, uh, let's uh, have some intro music and get into our topic for today.
1: The topic for today is why pastors need professional growth. As we were heading back from the West, uh, Will Harley. Uh, My co-host here uh, texted me and said, hey, are we meeting tomorrow for a podcast? And and I said, well, what's the topic? And he said, professional growth. And as I was sitting there looking at the prairies of the Midwest, I was thinking of five different things, Why? five different reasons why pastors need professional growth. And I only came up with four. Pastor Harley came up with five, and he's got a lot of others in the hopper. So we'll see how many we actually get in the list today. The, the topic of professional growth is an, is an important one for you, dear listener, to know about, because, dear listener, you might be thinking to yourself, why does my pastor need professional growth? Doesn't he go to the seminary? Doesn't he have, you know, eight years of education that he talks about that he's gotten be, to get to this point? Why does he need to continue to grow in his profession? Uh, what's the point of that? Why should we be forking over money for him to perhaps uh, attend uh, courses at the seminary, or why should he... Uh, take a class online. Why should she? Why should he be buying all those books that are in his library?
0: Most of my people think is Pastor Harley even professional? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so the number one reason why pastors need to have professional growth is that pastors who stop learning are uh, people who are men who stop really being pastors.
0: I think you might have to unload that one just a little bit.
1: Uh, Just because if you are, well, first of all, we are tasked with uh, preaching the word. And if we stop learning about the word, not just for our people, but for ourselves, then we stop really being a pastor. Then we become a professional. We become a empty talker, a drone, uh, an actor, who is just putting on a role? Uh, this is no longer something that's part of our heart and our lives. It is just something that we're doing as a job, rather than uh, what we are called to do is to be pastors and be shepherds of God's people.
0: You know, <clears throat> I don't want to. I don't want to belittle. Okay, so preface this. This is this. I don't want to belittle any other vocational calling or any other job that's out there. But by and large, I think in, in society, the, the general trend, there are three major professions in, in, in the world. Um, at least this is back in the day they used to say this. Um, it was a lawyer, uh, a doctor, and a pastor. The, there was those, those were those life professions, right? Um, where people get into them and they kind of stay there and do that. And interestingly enough, um, they always used to say, they, by the general Society, used to say, "You practice law, so law was a practice um you, you didn't you didn't have all the answers. it was something that you kept growing it um medical field is a practice you practice medicine right um there's always new things coming on and going. but when it came to ministry, it was always you do ministry and, and I think there was um something intrinsic in that term. You do ministry that brought up the idea that that you went to school or you learned what you needed to learn, and then you went out and you just did it, and you you were fine, and there was nothing else that that had to be associated with that. And I'm not saying that that there aren't facts and truths that um, the pastors coming out of the seminary have. I, I I truly believe that our our pastors that come out of the seminary have all of the truths doctrinal truths, the scriptural truths to do ministry. But what we're saying with professional growth is that the demographic of what you are needed to do within the ministry or or the the opportunities to bring new things to your people are ever changing. The word never changes, but the the opportunities change all the time and the ways that we can encapsulate uh, God's word for our people, um, change throughout time, and and so I think that's maybe what we're trying to say is 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 a pastor who doesn't go and 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 learn and continue to learn, either through book or class or seminar or whatever the case may be, a pastor who stops engaging in that really stops engaging with his people because. Yes, he knows the word. Yes, he knows the, the 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 promises of Christ, but he's no longer able to encapsulate that in a way that the people can receive.
1: Yeah, I think the graduation syndrome isn't just something that we deal with with uh, confirmation students getting confirmed and then saying, uh, I don't need the word anymore. I think that can also happen with pastors too, where they would say, well, I've learned all of this in the seminary, I don't need to... Yeah, uh, to learn more or, or get better at my craft of being a pastor, uh, because I've I've got everything I received at the seminary.
0: Well, and I and I, I like how you phrase that. Getting better at your craft. Um, I'm I'm a follower of a, a YouTube uh, video blog. It's from some LCMS pastors, um, but they do it's just really nice to get into their conversation. But they call it the craft of preaching, um, and I I found that an interesting um, one to watch every week because you know you would think and and honestly every pastor does we have our own idiosyncrasies when we preach we we talked about this when when we had our little segment on preaching <clears throat> we all we all get into our little modes this is our flow and our people know that of us they they understand okay this is pastor's flow i i like to challenge myself this is and i'm not Praising myself over and above everyone else, it's just I get bored, um, and so I try to challenge myself. Every six months, I go back to one of my preaching books. I have three, four, five preaching books, and I say, "Here, I'm going to take one, one thing from this preaching book, and I'm going to try in the next six months to incorporate it into my preaching somehow." Um, that's part of that professional growth that we are, we are we're sort of tweaking our craft. Um, to not change what we're saying, but what we want to do is we, we want to tweak it enough so that that we are we're we're staying fresh. Maybe that's a good way of saying it. that we're staying. Uh, um, um, we're offering our people more than than just stagnant water. Um, you know, it, it's just maybe it's a, maybe it's 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 water with flavoring now. Um, that that it's it you you're bringing something new to the table. That, that you can now offer in, in this this utility belt um, that we have that we call ministry.
1: Yeah, and it's not just preaching, but it's also teaching, doing Bible class. Uh, if your pastor is doing Bible class the same way all the time, uh, it, it can get stale. And I think for confirmation that the same way is true, is if we're always teaching the same way with our confirmation kids, they kind of know, they'll figure you out, and they'll just know that they'll give you the answer that you're looking for, but there, there's no engagement in the mind or in the heart as they're going through it. So if, by keeping things uh, mixed up every once in a while, uh, that it helps the kids and it also helps yourself, so that you know that you're actually teaching what you think you're teaching, and that kids are actually en- get learning and engaging with the Word of God.
0: And, you know, and I'll be the first to say that that um, professional growth is is one of those topics where um, I'm I'm caught between a a love and hate relationship with it. Um, <clears throat> I love to learn. I, I do. Um, I, I love learning. I, I, I always am watching a YouTube video or on a podcast or um, found a new book that I find would be interesting or, or something like that. But I have this tendency, like I'll gravitate to certain things. And, and so I'll gravitate to, uh, like um, I, I love deep thinkers I'm not a deep thinker myself, but I love deep thinkers. Like I like uh philosophy. I love books that talk about Christian philosophy and and how, you know, the philosophies of the world and so I gravitate to those things. And and you and and you kind of convicted me just a little bit here uh, when you talked about teaching, you know, how we go to professional growth to become better teachers. And then I noticed that like when I teach a Bible study, um I I very much gravitate towards like the Socratic a uh, uh, way of teaching um, let's have a conversation let's sometimes i'll play devil's advocate and ask a question other times i will talk with you or and 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 you will absorb from my infinite download uh, from my brain <clears throat> and and that's how i how I teach I feel very uncomfortable and I've been in those those classes where they say okay well maybe small group uh, split them up and have them discuss and do this and 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 I'm like you know that takes a lot of planning um, on my part and and maybe this is my own brain but that takes a lot of planning on my part to to come up with questions that that I have to anticipate and and write down for them to be able to keep themselves occupied in that small group as opposed to well you've dealt with me long enough to know that Things just pop into my head as I talk, and and as people interact with me, and then it, it all of a sudden comes up. So, you know, learning those different things are good, but I don't know if I can ever incorporate them because of my own comfortability in in things.
1: And that leads me to point number two. Uh, the first point was uh, pastors who stop learning stop being pastors. The second point is is that we as pastors are not perfect. Uh, we did not come out of the seminary. Uh, a perfect pastor we have areas in which we can grow and improve whether that be uh, preaching or teaching or understanding our people Uh, we are not perfect the world isn't perfect the world is always changing we need to know what's going on in this world so we need to also part of our professional growth is to know a little bit about the news uh, in the area and the news of our particular area Uh, we need to be engaged in our community in some way just because The things are changing. They're not always the same. So we have to keep fresh what we've learned, and we have to add to the stock of what we've learned uh, and uh, uh, constantly improve in all areas of ministry.
0: Well, you know, and and I I just make a comment, and, and I do mean it in jest sometimes, but there are some pastors that are more perfect than others. Um, <clears throat> I mean, right now Dave is wearing just a perfect Hawaiian shirt, and only he could get away with that. Um, unfortunately, I could not uh, get away with a Hawaiian shirt. I am wearing a black shirt, like my soul. And so it's 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 uh it's it's very picturesque of of what lurks inside. Um, but speaking of the the perfection though, I and and I I think we need to talk about this, <clears throat> just in the sense that congregations, and I don't know if they necessarily intend to do this, but they, but, but it, it happens by and large. They put their pastor on a very high pedestal. Um, And, and I I think congregations view their pastors as, if not perfect, pretty darn close. And, and I think um, when they're, when, when a when a pastor comes for professional growth and they they sit down with their counsel and they say, "I would like to go and take a class on Romans, yeah, just or 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 even recently the seminary's doing a, a class on <clears throat> Old Testament something I, I can't remember I forgot what it was uh, but it was something about a study in uh, the Old Testament um, and. and which is a good thing to do. Well, it is a very good thing to do. Every now and then, I like to look at the scriptures, um, <laughs> more than every now and then. But but it's one of those things where when we say to our when we say to our people, I would like to 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 do a class on that. Um, you get this natural ten, uh, tendency. Well, Pastor, didn't you study that already? Um, and and it's one of those things where, and and maybe some of our parishioners know this. When you read the scriptures and you read them when you were young, and then you read them again when you're older. They are they're different, same words, but they're different. They struck you differently, and it's that it's the living word, right? It's the it's the word that is living and active and powerful, and it and it it meets us where we are in life, and and the idea of pastors themselves, even though you know we are engaging with the word professionally every day as we open up the the scriptures and study um, God's word and uh, devotionally and devotionally, um, if if your pastor does devotions. <clears throat> Some don't. Sarcasm alert. Yeah. Well, no, and it's not a sarcasm. It's the honest to god truth that that just like just like our own people, um, we very easily confuse or or say I have spent so much time in the Word for my professional life that we forget to do it in our personal life. And and I'll be the first to step forward and say there are times I get home and I'm like I'm done. I'm burnt out from the day. And and even though I should get, open my Bible and start reading just for reading's sake. Um, I don't because I'm like, I spent so much time in it this, you know, earlier today. And, and, and maybe you're like me and maybe you're not like me. Like I have a tendency, like when I want to sit down and read just even scripture for, for just, just for fun. Um, I always got a pen there or a pencil there. So I'm circling things and I'm writing notes and, and it almost becomes a professional practice because, that's just who I am, you know that's just it's very hard to remove the pastor from from me,
1: yeah, you do have to be intentional in your devotional life to make sure that you're you're just sitting there listening, listening,
0: and not searching for oh, this could help my my yeah. people in this way
1: right i I've done the same thing with when you're at a pastor's conference or at study club when you're listening to a pastor's preach where earlier in my ministry it would have been like, well, could I use that? Could I use this, or I could have done this better or could have done this differently?" And said, just sit there. Uh, somebody even asked me that. I was in, in my former congregation, and the pastor was preaching there. And they said, Pastor, how did it feel to have somebody else in your pulpit? And I said, I'm just here to hear the word of God and receive his gifts. And I have to remind myself intentionally that when I'm sitting there in the pew, God, through his called servant, is speaking to me. So just sit there and listen. Right. And, but it's and really it hard
0: in. to separate that. And 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 I acknowledge and, that. Yeah. And and so coming back to this idea though that our members sometimes think, well, pastor, you know it already. Um and and I think highlighting the idea that, you know, we are not perfect. In other words, my knowledge of the scriptures is not perfect. It isn't. Um you know, and as there's many times that we've been in study for for text study and I'm like, "What verse is that? I know it's somewhere. Yeah, I right. don't know don't know where it is." Um, and so you take the time and we try to track it down and we find it. And sometimes it's like, yeah, well, maybe it wasn't exactly how I remembered it because we're not perfect. And, and there's this need, I think, in professional growth for us to rationalize in our own heads that there are gaps in, in our abilities. Um, and there's gaps in our skills too. Um, I mean, there are some people who are just, I mean, they are linguistic studs. They, they just they they can they can look at Greek and Hebrew and it's they are they translate it without a problem um, and I mean man they are great at it. Um, then there's other people like myself who struggle right um, and 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 we look for helps to do these things and and um, we can make our way through it. We we it takes us longer to do it, but we make our way through. Um, and that's okay. That doesn't mean that we're less, but it means that maybe we need more help in that area, more work in that area.
1: And it is not just Will and I uh, acknowledging our failings. This is also the Apostle Paul speaking to Timothy uh, in 1 Timothy 4, verse 16, when he tells him, watch your life and your doctrine closely, persevere in them. So even t- uh, Paul is acknowledging that Timothy isn't going to be the perfect guy, that he still needs uh, to work on his craft of being a pastor. He needs to still watch himself and watch his doctrine. And how how, how else can we wa- watch our doctrine than actually challenge it and, and read Uh, the scriptures read other books go to to seminary classes that we 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 take what we've learned and adjust and and challenge that so that uh we become a, a better pastor at the end of it
0: well you know that would be the proverbs going in and saying that that iron sharpens iron right um you know the idea of of putting up our our what we think we know and what we interact with um and and really putting it against another person and saying okay Let's have these conversations, and I mean, I'll be honest. <clears throat> one of the reasons why I do this podcast um, is because I like having these conversations with with my fellow brothers. I like having this conversation with you, Dave. Um, and even not just not even in the podcast realm, but just in general, I've called and we've talked, or we've we've met and we've talked. <clears throat> I like to to bounce off. That's how my brain works. Uh, also, I like to bounce off ideas. And, and it it codifies what i've been thinking or or sometimes says nah no <laughs> you were thinking about this all wrong and and it but it, it clarifies that because we we are we're learning from each other how to live in this world of uncertainty with what is certain and and that there is something to that i mean any person who picks up the scriptures and thinks to themselves i read it and i understand it do you hear oh okay i'm gonna get on a soapbox here just for For a little bit. I want to get on the soapbox. It fries me when somebody um, who's either not read the scriptures hardly ever or at all says, takes a quote from the scriptures out of context and tries to use it to prove their point. And it's like they have no ramification. There's nothing. It's like they opened up the scriptures. They spent 15 minutes trying to find a certain quote and they think they are an expert at everything God says. I have been studying the scriptures professionally in in, in, this, in in ministry for going on 12 years. You, longer than that. I'm nowhere near an expert in the scriptures than I thought I was when I first started this journey. In fact, I have learned over that time that when I got out of the seminary, I was less I knew less coming out of the seminary than I even know now. And I still think now I know far less than I should. And I hope to grow into that knowledge. Um, I I, I look at the, the words of Psalm 25. And I'm going to share them with you because Psalm 25, I think, is 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 entitled. When you look at it in the EHV, it's entitled "Teach Me Your Ways." So it's it's David going to the Lord and asking uh, for instruction. And and here's what he says in verse four and five. He says, "Make known to me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Make me walk in your truth and teach me, because you are the God who saves me. In you, I hope all day long." And one of the things I love about that the, those two verses in this passage is, is David recognizes that it's not a one and done. It's not, I learned my lesson and now I go off in life. It is, continue to teach me your paths. I, as I walk, the path is changing. You know, this is not a this is this is a, a a path that the Lord has trod. This is a path that God knows, but I have no idea. And so, in my life, I'm always growing. I'm always learning how God interacts with me and his with His forgiveness in new and, and wonderful ways. You know, I thought I knew what forgiveness was, and then I got married, <clears throat> and I recognized how many things I needed to be forgiven f- forgiven for. And He provided a wife that does that. You know, I when when I thought I knew what love was, and then God provided me children, <clears throat> and now I understand, um, in in at least a part, what God's patience must be like for me when the kids continue to do the same exact thing over and over and over again. Now, now put that in the per- professionals uh, uh, set. You know the the fact that we are standing up and we are preaching, we are preaching every single day. We are we we don't have associates that give us a break, so. We we preach every week. We are doing our own Bible studies every week. Eventually, you draw on a on an empty well if you're not in, adding to that, right?
1: Yeah. What calling in the world is there that there's so much intellectual, so much giving that's going that's happening and that's so constantly required of us? Not just from a sermon on Sunday, just all of the uh, the information and the thought that needs to go into a sermon before the sermon is pr- presented or In Bible class or in counseling, there's so much giving going on when it comes to being a pastor. And in the pastoral profession, this leads to point number three, is that we can't really be trained for every situation that we're engaging in life. There's a reason why when pastors go to our college, uh, I don't know who set it up, but uh, we have a Bachelor of Arts degree rather than some sort of theology degree. The person in the pew would say, why do we have our pastors have this liberal arts degree because
0: we don't want to be filled with bs (laughs)
1: bachelor of science (laughs) so uh why do we have a ba degree uh why do we have something where we have just this broad spectrum why are we learning about history why are we learning about english why are we learning about uh speech and all these things why aren't we uh uh, zoning in and, and zeroing in on pastor stuff rather than learning about the world because we, need to, we can't be trained for every situation. So your pastor needs to be someone who has been trained to uh, look around his world and to know something about the world that he's living in, whether it, the, whether it be in the sciences, whether it be in the news, whether it be in uh, culture and society. Uh, there's a German term for this, for understanding uh, the world that you're in, the, in, and the German term is zeitgeist. Which means the spirit of the times, just the idea of having a pastor be able to perceive what times he's living in, so that as he engages with his people and engages in the world, he actually knows what he's talking about and knows the world in which he's engaging in too.
0: Well, and and I and in going back, you know, you have these two topics, your 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 second and your third topic blend very, very well together. Because, you know, when when we all started ministry and and, and even now, um, Let's use the excuse or let's use the example of of doing counseling, you know, your first counseling session with with uh, a person who is struggling with um, a mild case of depression or but really was struggling with guilt and shame. And, <clears throat> you know, the, you, you sat down, you were right out of seminary and the first thing you thought of, ah, I know how this went. We lead them through forgiveness we, or we, we lead them to the law and we lead them through the forgiveness and we share forgiveness with them and, and everything will be perfect, right? And we do that and, and all of a sudden it's like they get more depressed. Um, maybe we didn't do it right. And so we go back to the drawing board and we, we go back and we have uh, talk to our brothers and we say, I don't think I did this one well and it did fell flat and we get all this new information and we grow in, we go and we search out how to do counseling better, um, and then we find, you know, maybe there's enough guilt there that they already have guilt that law was not the place to start, um, but just the proclamation of you're forgiven. And and then when I say that, what does that mean? And letting them realize what it means to be forgiven wholly and completely instead of hitting them with the law, because the law has already done its work. And so we learn more and more on how to do this better. And and so that's just one one minor place but you know as the ministry changes right and we didn't know everything we didn't and the ministry didn't change but but this interaction changed we didn't know everything and so we had to go we weren't perfect we we maybe said it wrong and we go back and we learn and we understand better and 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 we we can do this better and I think there's a part of that that um that is a, an important part of ministry now I'll be the first to say as well I don't like not being prepared. I I, I just don't. Um, and I'll I also think very very. I I think in my head that a pastor is, by and large, supposed to have at least a, a a passing knowledge in most things that his congregation will ask him. You know, when you're in Bible study, do I think you have to know everything that they they might surprise you with? No, because no one can. But man, if you're talking on a certain topic, and you should have thought ahead and to think these questions might come up, and I should probably have an answer prepared for you, um, you know. So there's there's this this you can't be trained for everything, but man, you can be prepared for a lot of things. And, and I think this is where that third point comes in. I, I I'm not perfect. I'm not going to get it right. I know that, but man, it's my responsibility to to have some of this knowledge, and, and to be able to share that.
1: Yeah, we can't be trained for every situation. I think of uh, other situations where I was called to be in the pigeon ministry or called called to. Uh, what is the pigeon ministry? Pr- prison. 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 Ministry. Coffee has not activated yet. I'm I still thought it was on, the I'm pigeon, still on ministry. pigeon ministry. Pigeon <laughs>
0: ministry. <laughs> yes. That was before texts, people. Uh, yeah. your <laughs> <laughs> <Carrier> pigeon. <laughs>
1: Uh, uh, anyway, don't want to go down that rabbit hole, pigeon hole. We're gonna, you're gonna pigeonhole me here somewhere. I don't. Want. Uh, anyway, can't be trained for every situation. So we're in a prison ministry, or we have a uh, a, an opportunity before us as a pastor, maybe uh, uh, working with um jail ministry or something like that, where you're not exactly sure exactly how to. Uh, engage with uh, people who are in prison. So you take chaplaincy courses or you go to MLC with our chaplaincy courses just to talk about all the things that guys that are in that situation deal with or how to, if you're looking at that. um, I know a lot of times with prison ministry, it can be an opportunity where a pastor is taken advantage of by the prisoner because the prisoner is, is sitting there and has their sob story in there and the pastor feels sorry for them for whatever and uh, helping the pastors to to keep their heads in that situation, which would be what Paul is talking about to Timothy, um, is be prepared in season and out of season, keep your, keep your head, be ready for whatever may come to, at you. But you can't just necessarily just sit there and have all that information by yourself. You have to actually learn that information. You have to go somewhere and read it, read books about it or read online. But what gives you the critical thinking that you'll need in that situation, which is where our M.L.C. A Bachelor of Arts program is helpful to help our pastors to become a life a lifetime student to be always be learning always be uh, knowing how to engage the world around them that zeitgeist, uh, the culture of the times, and be able to read it and understand it and not necessarily be taken up in with it, but respond it with the consistent and certain Word of God.
0: The, you know, there was a in seminary there was a course <clears throat> we call it practical theology. Um, and and what I loved about practical theology because it, it took what, what we learn and it, it, it brought it down to brass tacks. How is, how is it going to work? One of the things that that I always enjoyed about the idea of practical theology and the idea of of doing ministry was the simple fact, you know, um, many of our members will say, and, and, and it's rightfully so, that the Holy Spirit will will give us the words, right? It's the promise uh, that the Lord gives us, that the Holy Spirit will give us the words to speak when we're in, in positions where we need to speak those words. And one of the things that I always have kind of thought in the back of my head, and I've expressed this in 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 certain circles, the Lord doesn't draw from nothing. Um, And I mean, okay, so I'm not saying the Lord can't draw from nothing. What I'm saying is the Lord doesn't typically draw from nothing. So in other words... When, and I teach this to our confirmation kids, my confirmation kids. I say, you know, because they all say, why do we have to memorize so much? Because you'll be put in a position where someday the Holy Spirit will draw on this when you are going to share or when you need it or when, you know, the things we put into our head, the Holy Spirit brings back to mind. And and and, and throughout the scriptures, right, the promise of Jesus is um, he will send the Holy Spirit who will... Who will remind you of everything that I have told you? Right. There's this remembrance of things you have learned. Um, so if you have an empty head, then I don't mean that it, it, jokingly. If you have an empty head, the spirit's not going to draw on anything because there's nothing there. <clears throat> and so, learning and and you have this bachelor of arts and 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 that's part of it. But but also just the continued growth to be engaged in the society to be engaged in the in in what is going on and learning more techniques not because you're going to use them today but all of a sudden you're going to be placed into a situation where someone's going to ask a question or there's a circumstance that 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 all of a sudden you are in in and all of a sudden the spirit brings to mind i remember someone said something about this or i remember being in a class about this or i remember studying this or reading a book about this and you know what? I I think I have a way to to talk to you. I I can interact with you now, and not because um you're interacting outside of the word, but because the 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 spirit is giving you an opportunity to re, to call to mind the things that you have and bring it all together, and, and formulate it in such a beautiful way. And when you stop learning and you you start, and and here's a part of of me that that. When you, when you codify that and say, okay, there's these systems and if you just learn the system and then you do the system, you, you talk over people instead of talk with people. Um, and, and okay, so you know me, I sometimes spot off about reform. So I'm going to do this reform kick now because the reform do this a lot. They, they, they send out their people with, okay, you're going to confront somebody who's an unbeliever and here's the steps. Do this, say this, say this, say this, say this, say this. And it's like they don't listen to you. There's. It's just like I have this thing. I'm gonna. I'm gonna Mormons download. Mormons do the same thing. Mormons do the same thing, um, where it's like this. This list. I'm gonna download, and I'm just gonna spout it off. And and I think. I think with professional growth, especially for pastors, we we move. Our, we remove ourselves from that formulaic segment, and we engage now in the actual conversation. Um, you know, there's. Maybe this is on my point, but I'm gonna bring it up now, um, because I can. Um, there's a a beautiful thing about having a pastor be a renaissance man. Let's
1: do that as a number four. To okay. Reclaim the title of the learned man, or is that different? Though? No, that's the same. Okay. The, the,
0: the, to reclaim the title of a learned man, um, that's that's the, that's the that's the idea of a renaissance man. Um, you know, there was a time, and and I'll admit it, there was a time in ministry when pastors knew nothing, and 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 it was a pre-Reformation, where by and large a lot of the the clergy didn't know anything. They read, wrote, or, or just mumbled their way through. Um, but, but then when, with the Reformation and, and Luther and Melanchthon, they did the the, the uh, church visitations, and they're like, the clergy need help. They need, they need to have information. They need to be learning. And, and in the Lutheran church, there was, during the Reformation, the time of Reformation, there was this explosion in pastors becoming learned men. Not just scripturally learned, but just learned men in general. Learning to read, learning how to think, learning how to interact, learning to, 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 to be sociologists in some ways. Not like uh, professional sociologists, where they they can prescribe uh, or that they can diagnose somebody, but the sense that they understand. Okay, this person I'm dealing with is maybe got some signs of depression. I should oh, you send mean the- psychologist? Psychologist. Sorry, um, uh, but. Uh, Sociologists are the ones that look at society, and we do that too, where we look at the society and say, "How am I going to interact with this society, and what can I bring into it?" Um, so I mean, you look at all these things, and, and there was a time after the Reformation where the Lutheran, Lutheran pastors and, and maybe pastors in general, I'm not just going to limit it to Lutherans, but after the Reformation where, where it was it, it was something to say that your pastor knew something, and in fact, he was probably the most educated guy in town, or one of them, where where if you needed help or if you wanted uh, 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 some good information, you go to him. We seem to have lost that, and maybe that's just my own opinion, and, and it can be, but I think we've lost that, by and large, in society, where pastors are viewed as the learned men, where people turn to them for answers, you know? Not just spiritual answers, but for help in other things. You know, pastor, I value your opinion. What do you think? You know what I mean? That that we've lost that idea of pastors being learned men. And when we lose that idea of pastors being learned men, again, my opinion, I think I think people don't value your spiritual opinion.
1: Well, I think there there's a role for vocation. So I don't expect my members to ask me about when to plant their crops in the spring or how to fix their car, because that's not my vocation. But I think what you're trying to say, maybe you correct me if I'm wrong, but just the idea of what uh, Paul is talking about in Timothy, about uh, a pastor being someone who is respectable, uh, in 1 Timothy 3, verse 2, where someone that people can look up to and say, here's a guy who is actually honest and truthful. Uh, I, if I ask him a question, he's going to give me an answer, not a canned answer, not the institutional answer, but someone who's thoughtful and will give me an answer give me uh, some feedback that i can talk to him about not uh, and just understanding that yeah he's going to ha- if if the pastor knows everything about farming and nothing about the scriptures there's a problem there maybe that he's in the wrong vocation if he knows everything about fixing your car or everything about hunting or fishing and doesn't know the scriptures there might be there might be a problem there where his his interests have been weighed too much in one in one area the, just the idea of having somebody that you can talk to about just about anything, and, and he'll he'll engage you in that, but also talk to you about the Word of God. And,
0: and, and here's where the Renaissance man comes up, because he, he, not only can you— Okay, so yes, you don't know everything about— I don't know everything about fixing a car, but I know enough about it to say, I can engage in a conversation with somebody who knows how to fix a car. And I don't know everything about farming, but I've been in rural community long enough, and I love rural ministry to know, hey, it's really dry out. There's a lot of things that are going wrong. I can understand why this is going to be a tough year and I can talk about it. You know, I know enough about uh, or I've listened enough to know, hey, the prices of hay have gone up or gone down or the prices of corn are are skewed or whatever the case may be. Or, you know, it was so wet, they're starting to, to, to get rot on them um, that I can engage in some of these life adventures of these of my people. And and like you said, I can bring in what God says about it. And and knowing that and and understanding that also brings in the idea of the scriptures themselves. Many times, um, the Lord used parables of farming, and and to be able to, be, to to interact with those and understand those a little bit better because you are you are understanding it. But that's just one area. But it's the understanding of of being a Renaissance man to say I can I can have a conversation with anybody in which I am I am placed into the into their life, and and I feel comfortable enough to say I'm not an expert in it. I'm never meant to be an expert in it. But I can engage with you, and through that engagement, I can help make connections to the scriptures for you. And I think that's part of, of being a learned man and, and why we need this professional growth. I've, I've talked with many pastors, and, and you have too, and I'm not judging. I'm just saying, I've talked to many pastors that when you get them in a private setting, all it is is either hunting, fishing, sports, football, basketball, whatever, and it's, it's very limited Right. There's there's a very limited focus, um, which tells you that outside of their professional career. They're not engaging in much. And, and I think there's a problem with that. I mean, there was a time there was a time and I know we're moving away from this, but there was a time where pastors were in people's homes and and pastors, um, you know, interacted with their people on a on a very personal level. Pastor was out helping raise the barn pastor was out helping, you know, he was out in the field with them when they needed help. Um, I'm not opposed to that. You know, it just in, just in um, Maribel alone, one of our members, I was out visiting them and the, and the, the guy who delivers their hay drove up and he had a whole wagon full of hay. So I roll up my sleeves and, Hey, you need help stacking the hay? Let's stack the hay. You know, that, that's a part, that's, that's knowledge. I can say I know how to stack hay. Now I learned how to do that because I grew up on a on a small hobby farm, <laughs> and they cut hay and I had to stack hay. So I've I've been there and I've done that. Right? Um, I worked at a hardware store and I had to work with plumbing and I had to help lead people. I, am I a plumber? No, not at all but when someone has an aggravation and they come with me and they say pastor, you have no idea what this week was like and I was wrestling with a plumbing project and I'm like, yep and you probably had like four times you went to the hardware store to try to find the plumbing part because that's usually the running trend takes you four times to the hardware store to get it right. Oh you have no idea pastor you know you know talk about that frustration you know I make this connection. I understand those things. Now, some of that is life lessons. Some of that is just getting to know our people and, and being willing to be in the house. But some of it is being the Renaissance man to learn from those people. You know, I had a guy, um, uh, one of our members out doing some plumbing work. And, and I told him he was downstairs doing the, some plumbing work. And, and it was sweating copper. And I know the term sweating copper. I knew that before he came. I never knew how it worked. And I'm like, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to stand here and I'm going to watch you. And, and he's like, well, that, how else are you going to learn? I'm like, exactly. Bingo. Bingo. How uh, I am i don't think I'm ever going to do it. I don't know if I, I mean, I don't think I'm ever going to do it, but I'm going to stand and watch. Um, we had a guy help build our, our four season room. I stood and watched making measurements, cutting, asking questions. Why is this going on? Because it's part of being that well-rounded Renaissance man that I think we we're called to be as pastors to engage people and be able to have conversation with people in all areas of their life and then make that connection to the living lord who is there with them in that vocational calling um and that's a beautiful thing and and, and so yeah I, I think there is a part of me that says um that that we have to be we have to reclaim this we have to reclaim this so that pastor is not just the guy who has the spiritual answer but it is the guy or the who the guy who
1: preaches on sunday
0: or the guy who preaches on Sunday, but he's the guy that I can go and talk to, and he will make a connection back to my Lord in everyday life.
1: Yeah, because it it prevent, and uh, that would be number my number five would be why pastors need professional growth because it prevents us from being preachers. Uh, because everyone says, "Well, that's what a pastor does. That's his most prominent feature of the pastor is that he's preaching." But you're you become a a pastor, not a preacher, by professional growth because. You can learn how to speak, you can learn your oratory skills, you can learn uh, how to uh, influence people and how to word things in such a way and use analogies and picture language and and stories to be able to communicate a truth. But that isn't everything that a pastor does. It's not just preaching on Sunday, but the pastor is actually someone who shepherds and takes care of you uh, in a spiritual way. So a shepherd's going to need to know you're, like we are talking about in the previous uh, uh, concept, like you were saying. You need to know where your people are at and what they're doing. You need to know that you want to engage them in that situation because, to be honest, Jesus wants to engage them in that situation. Whatever task they're, they're doing, Jesus said, this is what I want you to be doing. You, you can be my hands in this situation. I want to encourage you in that way. So I sent a pastor down there, your pastor, down there so that he can uh, encourage you in your vocation because that's where I want you to be.
0: You know, and and I'm going to say this, and it, it frustrated me when I heard it all the time. It does, it, and it did, but I understand it in a little bit more of a sense. <clears throat> One of my members back in the previous congregation I was at, um, he used to whenever there was a job that had to be done around the church, he would always say, "Every good sermon was written," and then he would fill in the blank. So, if like the the lawn had to be mowed, every good sermon was written on the back of a lawnmower. When we had to dig a trench for the bell tower because we were running the lines, I had a, I had one of those electric bell towers. He goes, Pastor, just remember, every good sermon was written while digging a trench. Um, every good sermon was written by you know replacing the roof, working on the roof, um, all of these things. And and I think as much as it annoyed me at times, I think what he was trying to say was was what we're saying is that engaging in the work with your people as part of professional growth too because you you now understand their life and where they are and you you understand their struggles and you can under, you can make those illustrations of and be a part of you know going out there and and helping in the fields throwing hay going out there um living in the life of 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 the our member who is a plumber and watching him and and seeing what his job is like um learning um about you know um how to interact with these people on their level and live with them is the privilege of a pastor's growth um i am a better person because of the people i interact with not because I have an opportunity and a calling to share with them God's word. I have an opportunity to interact and live with them, and that's what makes me a wonderful person and pastor. Um, and, and now that doesn't say that there are different interests, okay? Um, and I, I think there was, there was a point that you had had on here as well, that, that um, we have different ministry concerns and we have different interests that we personally like to follow, that's true, and a lot of our professional growth is probably going to be geared t- towards that. You know, I gravitate toward certain classes, books, things of that nature that I am interested in. That's never going to change because we're individuals. But I, I think there is an there is an importance in in being that well rounded character, and and for our people to be that well to know that you're going to w- that within reason you're going to roll up your sleeves, and and. And tackle this, you know, uh, there's a need, And, and then so, so if you don't mind, I'm going to bleed right into this other point of, of our interests vary and the ministry concerns are different and we need to learn case in point, whole COVID mess. We're going to talk about it more, um, next week, digitized church. Um, but needs arose within the church to do something right. Uh, when our people couldn't come to church needs arose in the church, we need to do something. Um, many pastors had no idea what to do, and we taught ourselves how to start reaching out in those areas. Um, our brother from Gibson um, taught himself, and it seems very simple, but for somebody who doesn't do it, not so simple, taught himself to start reaching out through Facebook in simple ways. And then it went to, well, now we can put recordings up. I I, I got recordings, so I can do this now. Um, taught themselves professional growth to reach out in ways. You did the same, um, doing things through, through Facebook account. We did the same, yeah. being able to film and, and gearing up so that we could make it better. And, and I had to go back and say, I need to learn a little bit more about this. And I spent time, you know, how do I do this so that I, I don't do it halfway? Um, that's part of the professional growth that, that was brought on because of the concern of the ministry.
1: I would say uh, as kind of a conclusion to this uh, podcast, just this idea, hopefully as you're looking at our five different ways why pastors need professional growth, dear listener, you'd see that when your pastor brings up, hey, I want to take a seminary course or I want to buy some books, that you don't look at this and say this is the avenue for the pastor to uh, speak above my head all the time, right? Where now he's going to become too learned for us because we really like him to be the down-to-earth guy that he is. Uh, that you see that this is actually encouraging your pastor to be a, a a lifetime student, and 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 I hope as you look at these five things that you see that when a pastor is a lifetime student, it actually helps his ministry to you, for he becomes then a pastor, not a preacher, not a professional, not a not somebody who can just uh, speak things and an orator, but someone who actually cares for your soul and brings you Jesus.
0: Yeah, and and I think that's the point that you want to end on, is, is um, a pastor having an opportunity to bring you Jesus. Um, and what mediums do we use, do we learn from, so that we can do that job better? Um, Dave, we missed you. I'm glad you had a great vacation. Um, now it's back to work. And so uh, next week we have an opportunity to have another topic And uh, I think we have a guest coming up.
1: Yes, my brother, uh, John Rudot, is going to talk to us about the digitized church. So it should be a great conversation. So tune in then.
0: Absolutely. So with that, we give you God's riches, blessings, and uh, hopefully you have some growth, too, so you can share Jesus with someone else.